Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce the next guest. He is currently the Senior Director of Team Consulting and Executive Search for General Sports Worldwide. Please welcome Gentry Mullins, everybody. Woo woo. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, I'm glad that uh, we can't actually hear real applause, Adam. I doubt I would have probably gotten any, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> you certainly having oh me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, man. No, um, it, I appreciate coming on the pod. Um, and it's, you know, you have an extensive background in various sports and various teams and leagues. But I always like to start off, where did it all begin for you, whether you were a player you know, as an athlete yourself or just going to sporting events, you know, as a kid growing up? Yeah, I think a couple quick things um, that, that come to mind when you ask something like that. I think, you know, baseball was actually a huge part of my life growing up. Uh, it was probably the, the thing that actually, you know, really connected me and my father. Um, you know, he was one of the, you know, he still is one of the most hardworking people that I know. And so baseball was a way for us to really connect. And so, I mean, candidly, I was a really terrible baseball player coming up in little <laughs> league. And, uh, you know, I think my parents kind of got tired of watching me sit on the bench. And so, you know, one winter, my dad basically said, Hey, like you are either going to get good at this thing, or we're going to find some other hobby for you to start getting involved <laughs> in. And so, you know, I was really blessed to have parents that, you know, wanted to get really involved. So, you know, my dad that summer, he got a, a job like on the board with, uh, with the little league baseball team so that he could have a key to the batting cage. And so we spent every single night at the batting cage. Um, and so, you know, that's where really where my dad and myself got really close and really started getting into sports. And so that obviously started to, to graduate into, you know, me and him going, you know, traveling five hours to go watch Carolina Panthers games. And so, you know, those were, you know, that was really the closest professional team to us. And so, uh, you know, I would say that's where I really started getting really connected to sports. And, uh, you know, it's obviously been a huge part of my life ever since. So, For sure. And where did you grow up? I know off air you were, we talked a little bit, I'm in the DMV area. I live in Virginia, but talk about, you know, where you grew up and um, going to Carolina Panther games. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm on the complete opposite side of the state of Virginia of you. Um, so <laughs> I am I'm right on the Kentucky border. Um, so I don't know if you can hear my my southern twang. It, it, it tends <laughs> to pop out after I uh, I go back home for a couple days. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, right on the Kentucky border. I'm right near the Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, for everybody that's familiar with that NASCAR race. And so uh, again, you know, nothing much back there besides you know kind of coal mining and farm country. So. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you talked about, you know, playing baseball at a young age. What did you know, what did playing sports, you know, growing up, what are some of those lessons that have carried over into your professional career? Obviously, it really doesn't matter if you, you know, play a little league, you know, continue at any level. What are some of the key lessons that you learned early on in sports that have carried over, you know, as and a career in sports? Yeah, that's a great question, Adam. And, you know, it's actually one I think about a lot uh, because, you know, that, that winter I was telling you about where, you know, all of a sudden I went from being, you know, a terrible baseball player that <laughs> and got the minimum, you know, two innings and, and won at bat to, 
you know, I, you know, starting to become a really good player and, you know, becoming a huge part of my life because I was, you know, pretty, pretty good at it at that point. You know, I think that winter just really taught me, you know, f- with anything in life that you want, like if you're willing to put the work in, like you can go out and get it. And so, you know, that's just translated to, I think, every aspect of my life ever since. Um, yeah, I ended up going to, to college to play baseball. It ended up not working out, but you know, that was just a testament to me and my dad putting in endless hours of, of effort just to get good at the sport. And so, you know, I really translate that a lot to my, my career in the sports industry is like, I've never been the most talented person. I've never even tried to say I was, uh, but you know, I was willing to work for every single thing that I got. And so, you know, I think that when you think about those lessons early on, I think they've just continued to translate. And I think you would, you have to be crazy to not think that that made a huge impact on my professional career, you know, looking back on it. Yeah, for sure. And obviously there's so many ways uh, to get kids involved in sports. Um, what are some ways that, you know, we can, can continue to promote, you know, that activity and getting kids involved in sports at the grassroots level. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing I was really proud of when we worked at, you know, when we worked at the Cavs was, you know, just how much effort we put into to the youth sports, you know, platforms. You know, when I was with the Bucks, we put in a huge emphasis. I mean, that was literally my first job was, you know, working with schools to, you know, work with their school fundraising program just to get them involved with the game of football. Right. And so I think as, you know, these organizations continue to get more entrenched in the communities, continue to reinvest back, you know, it's going to come back in a, in a longer term effort at some point. Right. And so as long as we continue to, to hopefully tell stories like this, where, you know, it makes a big impact in people's lives. Yeah. I think it just, you know, it's about you getting out into your community, doing the right thing and investing in, in the city that you're in to tell people like, Hey, these are the types of things that matter for, you know, long-term development and growth for people um, to make sure that they're set up for success long-term. Yeah, for sure. And um, you've been with, you've worked in football, you've worked in basketball. Talk about the versatility and aspect of, because obviously sports is a business, right? And there are some key differences when you go, to different leagues and different teams, but talk about overall, you know, being versatile on the business aspect and really having that open mind. uh, It doesn't matter what league you work in, just having that business mindset that, you know, no matter what league you work in, you can carry that uh, into any organization. Yeah, I think it's really, I really think it's accelerated my growth as a professional a ton. You know, I think, you know, a lot of times when you when you stay in the same place, when you, you're familiar with the same people, like, you know, there is a certain level of a comfort zone that you start to, to gravitate into. Right. And so as you go to these different organizations or these different teams, like all of a sudden you're starting to get these new ideas, you're getting different content consumed. Right. You're meeting different people like you're you're taking in new ideas. You're just learning at a faster pace, in my opinion. And so that's why I think it's been really, you know, important for me. I've, I really enjoy it. It, you know, really stimulates my mind and how my brain works. And so I think that flexibility has really helped accelerate my growth because at every place I've went to, I've been able to take something from that previous place that I've been taught. Right. And so I think that's where, you know, you can make a pretty big impact really quickly is when you're going and taking things from one place to the next, uh, you know, some of the best practices you've learned while also when you're going to that new place, like you're going to take in 
best practices as well. So, yeah, for sure. And you hit the nail on the head there. Get out of your comfort zone, man. Like, get out of it. Like, don't stay stagnant. I mean, we all want to work. Like, everybody, interns and, you know, people that are getting ready to embark on their professional journey. Obviously, local is key. But if there's an internship that is not local and you can spend a summer at a different state, get out of your comfort zone, right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, how important is that? Because obviously, a lot of times, you know, I, especially with college students, um, you know, just trying to get that early opportunity, you know, it is appealing. And we want to have that opportunity that may be local, but how important is it for, for students early on to have that open mind to go where the opportunity is, no matter where, where it might land them. And it it could be the best opportunity they take and it doesn't have to be in their own backyard. Yeah. I mean, I think I owe everything to that type of decision. (laughs) Uh, You know, when I was, you know, when I was at the University of Virginia's College at Wise, like, you know, the sports management program had, you had to complete one internship. And, you know, I don't know that they were really, you know, very particular on the type of internship that you had to do, but you had to do one. And so, you know, a lot of my classmates, you know, did the local tennis tournament or they worked at the local, you know, sporting goods store, or they worked at a local college for the summer. And so, you know, I just said to myself, like, hey, Gentry, if this is something that you really want to do, like, you need to take this serious and like, you need to get a really good internship. And so, you know, I didn't expect it to be an NFL team for me to land at. But, you know, all of a sudden I came across, you know, teamwork online that gave me, you know, all of a sudden this plethora of opportunities out there to, to apply for. And I just remember coming across that website and not even knowing that it existed, thinking it was the greatest thing on the, on the world at the time. And so, you know, I applied for, I mean, over a hundred jobs at the time and I got one response back. And that one response was a group sales internship opportunity with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I thought it, you know, Adam, I thought it was cool enough that I got the email. I didn't even expect to get the internship, but you know, once you get an opportunity, like you've got to make sure that you take every single opportunity to, to get it. And so I remember, I remember prepping for two hours at a time for every single one of those calls and, you know, I still remember walking into one buck the first day, knowing full well that I was not prepared for that. But, uh, you know, I think that's what, you know, that's what it takes in life. Like you need to take some big swings. You need to put yourself out there. And, you know, like you, like you mentioned, like you gotta get out of your comfort zone because that's where you see the most growth. And so I think I've done that hopefully at every, every step I've went to in some sort of capacity, which, you know, I think always just, you know, helps accelerate your career. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about preparing. The preparation is key on interviews. is so important. I mean, talk about that process of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers opportunity, the internship, and how you were able to stand out. Um, obviously, it doesn't always boil down to your experience. It's just a willingness to prepare and show the managers and leadership that you're wanting to prepare and do and excel in that. So talk about that process and what it was like getting prepared for, you know, those interviews and those calls. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I actually was talking about this on LinkedIn the, the other day, but that's literally probably the number one thing I look for in interviews 
And I think that's what, you know, really came through the interview process with, with the Bucks was like just effort. Like you, you could just see that I wanted the job and that's what I look for with other people. Like how bad do you really mm-hmm. want the job? Like, did you, did you dress to impress for the interview? Did, did you come up with a list of questions or did you just check the box, you know? And so I, you know, I remember being almost in a three piece suit for, you know, for these interviews. I remember doing, uh-huh. you know, a, you know, literally memorizing Amy Saxon's, you know, whole background as I went into that first call, you know, having questions that could have went for two hours. And so I think as we continued to go through that process, like it just continued to come through that like, Hey, like no one wants this opportunity more than Gentry. And so, you know, when I got there, I had to do the same exact thing, right? Like it's proving yourself all over again every single day. And so I think that's, you know, what I tried to do. It's what I try to do during the interview process. It's what I try to do every day today, you know, is just make sure that, you know, God's blessed me with a great opportunity that I don't let any day go to waste in that aspect. So for sure. And talk about um, teamwork online. I mean, it's been a huge resource posting jobs at scale in the sports industry. I think it's a great resource um, that maybe wasn't available, you know, I mean, years ago. I mean, this is something that they've done a great job of getting jobs out there, internships, even, you know, seasonal work. Uh, So talk about, did you, so obviously uh, we never want to, just apply and forget. So what did you do? Did you reach out after you applied to the decision maker and say, Hey, I went online and I applied to the internship. I just wanted to let you know, or thought, uh, you know, learn about more about the role. Did you do any of that? No. And candidly, Adam, I didn't, I didn't even know to do that. (laughs) And that's why, you know, I think there's a really big opportunity to, you know, to, to help college students in that aspect of knowing, like going the extra mile, you know, doing that extra outreach. I mean, I had, you know, I had this one guy, Adam at the, you know, I actually started recruiting him at the Suns and then started <laughs> and then actually landed him at the Cavs um, a couple of years later, but he used to send me LinkedIn voice messages. Yes. So, I mean, you talk about really standing out. Like that's a really way to stand out. I mean, I had somebody cold call me before I had some, you know, people send me shock and all like, you know, those things come through in saying that, Hey, I want this job. And if you're willing to go to those types of efforts, like I know I'm probably going to get really good effort out of you when you start the job. Yeah, for sure. And there's a balance uh, between that too, is um, obviously you want to be unique uh, and stand out, but, you also don't want to be too aggressive with it, right? And like, say like, "Hey, I'll take any job," right? Because you don't want to take any yep. job. You want to you want to get hired for a specific role that's being recruited for, right? Yep. And so, as a candidate, what you know, as far as like saying, "Hey, I'm you know willing to do anything," that's definitely a no no, right? <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I do have, I I do try to have sympathy for, you know, the fact of like, some people just don't know what they want to do. You know, (laughs) if you had told me, Adam, that, you know, if someone to ask me what I want to do sales, what I would want to do community relations, like I would have probably said community relations just because it sounded familiar. Like I didn't know these, you know, these, you know, professional teams needed help selling tickets to fill stands up. You know, (laughs) I just assumed they filled themselves because, you know, who doesn't want to go to sporting events, <laughs> you know, and obviously I've spent the last eight years, you know, solving that riddle, but, 
you know, I, I do have sympathy in that fact. So I think you really try to get into a lot of like, what are they really after? Like the core values of the job, like, okay. Like you want to connect with fans, you want to be on the front lines. Like you want to, you know, again, get opportunities to, to get out into the marketplace. Like, you know, that's sales. Right. And so, you know, I don't try to, you know, I, I, and I think this is where I probably matured a little bit. It's like, I used to say, oh, they don't say sales. Well, I, I don't need to interview them anymore. But, you <laughs> know, I think if you dive a little deeper, I think you're going to lose a lot of talent if you don't try to get to the core values of who that person is, what they're trying to accomplish. And do they have like the core competencies to be really good at this job? And so uh, I think that's where I've evolved. And so, you know, I, hopefully I think there's a lot more resources like this one, Adam, that, you know, people should be able to get familiar with how to go about getting these jobs now. Whereas maybe, you know, eight years ago when I was, you know, starting out, there wasn't. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and talk about your time at the Suns uh, before you got to Cleveland uh, with the Cavs and what did you do there? Uh, and what did you enjoy most about working for the Suns organization? Yeah, the the Suns opportunity was was really fun. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I don't know if I've ever had more fun than than that role specifically, <laughs> just because I felt really fulfilled in the job itself. And so, what I mean by that is, you know, we really rebranded and revamped an inside sales program um, that had so much history. And so, you know, for me, my passion has always been to pay it forward about what's been paid to me, which was, you know, my first job in sports and then developing and investing in me personally and professionally. And so I just say when I get the opportunity to do that and to do that at a larger scale, like I'm going to jump at the opportunity. And so that's what the one with Phoenix was. And so, you know, again, you know, you're bringing in people from all across the country for their first job in sports. You're taking them from a crawling to walking to running perspective from a sales aspect. And then you're helping them develop them, right? Like you're really, you know, pouring into these people like you're really their, you know, almost like their paternal figure that they have because these people have moved all across the country from New York, from, you know, Florida, from Illinois to all of a sudden to be in Phoenix, Arizona, where they don't know anybody except for their teammates, you know, you really get close and you really grow a lot with those team members. And so, uh, you know, that was what, uh, you know, was, was the role itself. Um, you know, we really built something really special. Um, I loved my time there. I learned a ton. Um, obviously going from, you know, 25 events a year to all of a sudden 162, um, you know, arena life is certainly much different. It's a different type of grind that you have to kind of get used to. You go from managing one person to, uh, you know, yourself to all of a sudden managing 20 people. Like, you know, you, you have to really, you know, focus on your, you know, on, on your time management, on your accountability skills, like everything. And so what I love about Inside Sales too is the fact, and I tell this to, you know, to all of our team members is being an inside sales manager stretches you because you're really running your own sales department right? Like you're learning to recruit, to train, to develop an entire team, very similar to like a larger, you know, like a VP of sales. And so I think it stretches you and develops your skill sets probably more so than any other managerial job, just because, you know, you have to adapt to so many different types of personalities, manage different types of products, different campaigns, while also continuing to recruit and make sure that the team always has this, you know, lifeblood of talent being influxed into the to the organization yeah for sure and talk about the academy structure of 
of sales what the Phoenix Suns had. Um, also, the Cavs had it as well, where you're bringing in a class of individuals, and it's not just you know, it's not just like a job itself. You guys bring in a class of individuals and kind of you know bring in them, and it's kind of like this um, you know year long thing or set to a certain calendar date. And it's more of an academy where you're not just coming in, pick up the phone, uh, you're kind of teaching them and going them. So talk about the benefits of kind of having that sales academy within a sports organization. Yeah, it's something we've been very, very intentional on, you know, at both of my stops. And the fact of like, you know, this isn't going to be a program where, you come in, you get thrown on the phones and you either sink or swim. Like that was not how I I wanted this thing to be ran. Like, you know, I, we had, you know, probably the the longest onboardings in professional sports, you know, three to four weeks. And my philosophy on that was like, you only get one opportunity to do onboarding, right? Like we got to do it right the first time. And so, you know, when you take that opportunity from the jump to say, Hey, like we're going to sacrifice some revenue here on the front end for your long-term growth and development and long-term numbers. I think it sends a message right off the, you know, from the jump that like, Hey, like these guys care about us, not only as, you know, professionals, but also as people. Right. And so, you know, I looked at, you know, inside sales programs as really as almost a basketball game, you know, the first 90 days, that first three months, is like, I don't really care if you sell a single dollar. And I know that's really weird for a revenue leader to say. (laughs) You know, for me, it was all about like, are you working hard? Are you being a sponge? Are you learning the right way, doing all the things the right way? And just trying to take everything in. You know, months, you know, four through six, that second quarter, like you're starting to figure it out. It's clicking for some team members from a revenue perspective. But at that month, six through nine, I really expect you to turn it on, right? And like, are you starting to become a revenue producer that can be, you know, counted on? And so that last quarter, that fourth quarter is, it's kind of up to you, right? Like, is this a blowout where we can kind of rest the starters and we're just waiting to figure out where we're going to place you at from a promotion standpoint? Or are you going to be coming down to the wire because you didn't put all the effort in for the last couple months to get yourself there? Right. Or are we going to lose, you know? And so, you know, that's how I've always kind of looked at inside sales programs. I think they should be layered. You know, we always continue to try to layer, you know, education throughout. So you're continuing being developed. We try to integrate them with the other teams. So there's not this huge transition from inside sales to the senior level teams. And, uh, you know, the last thing I would say is we just really try to invest in them as people, you know, making sure that their personal growth that, you know, their transition to a brand new city, new friends is all going really well. Yeah, for sure. And you talked about the education piece. It's so huge because obviously sales sales is about producing and, and getting the revenue and generating, being productive, having that consistency. But it's also, you got to have the right balance and having the right you know, education and resources to support the team, right? Because if you don't want to have, I mean, obviously there's always going to be, I feel like that one individual that just uh, kills it and that's always going to be the case. But you also have to have, uh, as you mentioned, the structure piece and that's huge, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's everything, right? Because your team members don't want to see 
them coming in prepared with what, whatever they can. And then all of a sudden to see you, you know, wondering about, Oh, what training are we doing today? Or, you know, seeing that you basically decided to do this last minute. And so, you know, structure and preparation always takes more work on the front end, but it just makes everything so much easier on the, on the rest of the way, you know? So that's why I've always said like, you know, let's put structure in place. Let's do it right the first time. And, you know, it'll be a less workload us on the back end and we'll probably do a much better job at it, you know? For sure. I mean, do it right once. You don't have to do it again. Amen. Um, Amen. So talk about the metrics piece, because obviously every inside sales team is different and structured differently. But talk about the basketball side and uh, what you guys did at, uh, you know, with the Suns and kind of the Cavs. And talk about how what was the metrics that each those teams were cared about and how, you know, the sales teams what they were most uh, focused on. Yeah. So they've, they've evolved for all of my teams. You know, I think when I was first starting out with inside sales in Phoenix, it was, you know, a hundred calls a day, you know, 10 appointments set per week, five completed. Um, then we started to integrate some revenue um, in, into the mix as well. You know, it was, it was pretty much the same thing when I first got to Cleveland and then, you know, for my BDS team, it was a little bit less on the phone call action, still really heavy on appointments. And then, you know, from a premium perspective, like I don't I don't really, you know, look too much into the metrics aside from the fact of like, are you producing revenue or not? And if you're producing revenue, then I don't need to be on your case from a metric standpoint. Uh, but when you're training people the right way and holding them accountable to those things as they're continuing to grow, like they usually hold themselves accountable to those metrics. Right. And so. Listen, if you're not producing, then I'm going to be way more in on your metrics and we'll start to put some mm-hmm. measurables in place to get you there. But, you know, uh, it's evolved, right? You know, I think, you know, the thing I always continue to stress to our team members is like, it's all about appointments. And if we set two appointments per day and we're completing them, like we're going to be in a really great spot. And so, you know, that's the name of our business is getting face to face. And so, you know, now it's via Zoom, it's, you know, for appointments at the arena, it's dark days, whatever it is, just to get in. And yeah, the other thing I'll say about metrics is just like, it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. You know, like it's, you know, it's, you know, if you measure something like it, it's done, right? And so if I wanted prospecting to be a big part of you know, the program for a month, like we'd put prospecting into the mix or we do the same thing with referrals, you know, whatever we were trying to, you know, whatever trying to, you know, behavior we were trying to reinforce. Yeah, for sure. And that's huge. And you talk about um, meetings. So are those like, how are those set? Are those um, both with, you know, f- you know, you know, businesses that want to purchase season tickets for their, business and also the, you know, the a future, you know, season ticket holder who wants to have, you know, uh, a season ticket plan that wants to come out to games. How does that kind of work as far as uh, setting meetings uh, with individuals? Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's, you know, really similar process for both, you know, obviously with B2B, you're, you're just jumping pretty much into the appointment ask, but on the B2C side, you know, you're doing a little bit more, you know, due diligence on the front end. Uh, but you know, it's pretty much all via phone call to, to get us there. Or, you know, a lot is being done over text here over these last couple of years, which I think, you know, our business is going to continue to, you know, to sway towards. Uh, but you know, we've, we've also done some stuff, you know, such as like virtual open houses in the past or, you know, regular open houses just to get people signed up to, to get down to the arena. For sure. And, um, 
when you were in college, I think we've touched on it earlier, but did you see yourself getting into uh, sales? No, no. I, and like I said, I didn't know sales even existed <laughs> in, in, in sports, you know. Um, but, you know, the, the energy, the competition, I thought the, you know, really the, the transparency between those that, you know, work the hardest, find themselves towards the top of the board were all things that, you know, I really gravitated towards, you know, coming from a blue collar, you know, work ethic. And so, yeah, I had no clue. Um, you know, I thought I would just work for, you know, a, a minor league baseball team around the area. Um, and, you know, little did I know I'd be going all across the country. So, <laughs> You know, it's, uh, it's been a pretty cool journey, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. And uh, talk about your new role uh, with uh, the General Sports Worldwide. What does that organization do? And what are you excited most about uh, this new role? Yeah, uh, you know, General Sports Worldwide is a, is a, you know, is a global sports agency. Uh, they're really huge over in the UK. Um, they are, you know, really starting to expand here in the U.S. as well. Um, so, you know, we have a couple different verticals, um, you know, the first one being mergers and acquisitions. Uh, the second being player representation. So, you know, our agency oversees a, you know, a couple team members, you know, football players over in the you know, U.K. as well as a couple you know, American football players here in the U.S. Uh, we also do um, some uh, some sponsorship and naming rights deals. And then the, the fourth vertical is uh, this new you know vertical that I just recently joined, which is our executive search and team consulting um, division. And so uh, I, I guess I'm employee number three in that division. Um, it's uh, it was really just too exciting of an opportunity to pass up Adam. You know, it was, you know, with a, with a mentor and a good friend of mine named Travis Apple, who's a, you know, a juggernaut in our industry. Uh, and, uh, and, and Lou DePauly, who is, who is a legend in the industry. Um, and so, you know, they really had this vision for, you know, really providing more resources for giving more opportunities for organizations, for, you know, team members to, to grow their career, to get better. And so, you know, the opportunity to, to go into some of these organizations, to help them improve their business practices, to, you know, help people land, you know, you know, their dream job, to help these companies find, you know, the most talented people in our industry to, you know, go and do training and help, you know, all these team members with the structure that I've been able to provide for all the team members that I've had is, is, is just was, was too exciting to pass up when you think about doing all of those things that I'm super passionate about in my day to day but also be really entrepreneurial and like, how are we going to build this division up with all these great people that I'm working alongside of and under, you know, Andy Appleby who owns the, the entire agency. And so, you know, you know, again, being very entrepreneurial was something that was really important to me. I had that entrepreneurial itch. I'd kind of gotten it over the last couple of years. And so uh, like we talk about, like it was about getting out of my comfort zone. It was about, you know, really, you know, trekking towards a different path to really stretch me to stimulate my mind in ways that it hadn't been for, for quite some time. And so, uh, that was why, you know, I, I made the jump, you know, it's been uh, almost three weeks now and, uh, obviously in the honeymoon phase of the job, but, you know, loving every second of it so far. Yeah, that's huge. And I mean, it's gotta, you know, feel good to step into this new role and, to you know, really, just see it from a, a getting a new perspective with the agency side. Obviously, 
um, the sports agency world is huge. There's a lot of um, big and small organizations. Um, and you talked about it a little bit where your reach, you know, your ability to, you know, you've been in, you've worked on a team level. Uh, so talk about the ability to not only have an impact, um, you know, as on a team, but also across, you know, the league and getting a chance to work with different sports and different leagues on a, on a, with being at the sports agency and not only being in one sport now. Yeah, I think it's going to be critical just in the fact of like, you know, I think that's one of our biggest differentiators as you look at, you know, our, our entire team, you know, Lou, Travis, myself, and, and Kayla, our most recent addition is, you know, we've all walked, you know, in what, you know, a mile in, the, in their shoes per se, right? Like we've done the job that they're doing currently. <laughs> and so whether it be the leader that's, you know, trying to understand how to put, you know, better campaigns together, or lead sourcing, deal meetings, whether it be with team members that are trying to figure out, you know, their B2B process. Like, you know, I was doing that, you know, like six years ago. And so I think, you know, hopefully as a, as a 28 year old, like I can really relate to these team members in saying like, Hey, like I, I was right where you're at. Like I can help, like this is the roadmap. And so I hope that helps me really, you know, relate to, to the industry as a whole, knowing that I've had so many wide, you know, array of experience had different opportunities across the country. Yeah, for sure. And um, talk about, you know, what are some of, I mean, you've recruited and hired and done a lot of interviews, looked at a lot of resumes. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, the cover letter? And is there a spot for the cover letter in today's 2022 era? <laughs> Uh, listen, you know, I think everyone has, you know, their particulars when it comes to interviews, um, you know, to the interview process to me, you know, I, I don't really care too much about a cover letter. Um, it's just something that, you know, number one, I guess I haven't got enough to, to, to feel, you know, di you know, different about it. Um, you know, I, I get pretty particular about resumes, but I've also, you know, gotten, you know, I guess kinder on, on resumes as well. But, um, you know, I think like resumes are, are is a big effort thing, right? Like, did you take the effort to make sure that you didn't have any typos that it was typed up correctly to make it stand out? Like those are the things that I think really continue to stand out to me in interview processes. Yeah, for sure. And with the growth of, you know, social media and LinkedIn, uh, how important is it? I mean, to reach out and just continue to network the power of networking and how vital has that been for you in your career? Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's such a critical part of our business, you know, Adam, I, and again, you hear me, you know, stuttering a little bit on it because I just know the impact that it's made in my whole entire career <laughs> in the fact of, you know, I stayed in touch with the Bucks and role played every Wednesday at five o'clock to make sure that I got to go back as a, as an AE after my internship. You know, <laughs> I met, you know, I took a call with, with Nick Barlage just to pick his brain a year before the son's job opened up. So when that son's job opened up, I already had, you know, a connection to Nick, you know, obviously Nick left to go become the, you know, the president at the Cavs. I stayed in touch with, with Nick, you know, um, we had monthly one-on-ones even while he was the president there and I was still in, in, in Phoenix. 
you know, you know, my, you know, my newest partner, Travis, we had monthlies for the last two years. Right. And now this is opportunity for us to, you know, to really partner up at sports, you know, at sports general worldwide. And so, you know, I think that's where I get really excited about networking because I know the impact that it can have in your career if you do it right. And if you put the work in to continue to maintain those relationships, like networking, isn't you reach out on LinkedIn, you have one phone call and then that's networking, right? Like networking is you continuing that relationship and you taking it on yourself to say, I'm going to follow up. Like, I'm not going to wait on the other person to follow up. Like I'm going to continue to, to build this relationship. And so I just know that it's critical for me. Uh, I would highly encourage everyone to do it. Like, I think truly, like, if you reach out to somebody in our business and you maintain a connection with them, at some point, you will work for that person. Like, you just have to put in the work and have the patience to do it at some point. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, so many key parts, uh, pieces, just, it, it's it's not easy. Like, it, it takes effort um, to, and it's it's not necessarily about, how many, it's not about like getting the most connections on LinkedIn. It's building the authenticity of those connections and whether they, what they are on LinkedIn, whether they're at, you know, at your current workplace in college, you want to build those authentic connections because those go a lot, you know, those go much a longer way. And instead of just trying to build up uh, the connection number on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what's the, you know the huge number of connections, you know, you know, contacts? Like, what is that going to do for you if you don't know any of them really well? You know, <laughs> like, you know, a connection should be somebody that you're able to reach out to, and you either help them out or them help you out whenever you need to. And I'm not saying it needs to be transactional, but you know, I would really seek connection, not contacts, and I think that would really be, you know, the way I would approach networking. Huge. I mean, and the days, and I, I think. You know, the days of going to events and giving out business cards, um, you know, I think there's a lot of key ways to do it virtually and sending, you know, personalized invites, one of them, and and just do it authentic. And that goes, I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. You want to build that authentic connection instead of just building the contact list, like you said. Uh, so I will leave with this before I let you go. I know we've talked a lot about, you know, key advice, but if there was any piece of advice that you would give, you know, uh, either a student getting ready to enter college or if they're getting ready to graduate and they want to work in sports, what would that advice be and why? Well, I think the first thing I would say is if you're that student and you're listening to this podcast, um, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at jmullins at generalsports.com. And I would gladly love to have a conversation with you on how do you help to navigate, you know, as you embark on this journey. The second thing I would say is hopefully what's been the theme of this conversation is if you put the work in and you just tell people genuinely that you want to be there, be of service, you know, be, have a palms up mentality, like, you can go as far as you want to in this business, you know, so get outside of your comfort zone, challenge yourself, hold yourself accountable to challenging yourself. Uh, and like I said, if you work hard, as, as cliche as that is, like you can just, 
there's just such a shortage on on really good hardworking people i think and so you know just be one of those people yeah for sure i i love it uh it was a pleasure having you on the pod gentry uh it was fantastic i know we could definitely uh go on for another hour but i really appreciate you coming on the pod tonight Absolutely, Adam. Well, I certainly appreciate it. You know, I appreciate you, you know, being a resource for the sports industry, continuing to, to pay it forward to others. You know, like I said, like I wish I would have had these types of resources when, when I was coming up. So, uh, however, I can be of resource to you, to your listeners, you know, certainly let me know. Uh, for sure, Gentry, I will. And yeah, it was a pleasure. All right, brother. Have a good one.